In the name of God, amen. Good morning, St. John's. Very happy to be in worship with you again, with those I've come to know and admire in my four years as serving as your bishop, and to meet for the first time those of you who have, since the last time I was here, become a part of this vibrant and engaged congregation. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to say publicly to you what I often say about you, um, how much I admire and respect this congregation and its ministry, how, uh, how I rely regularly on the wisdom of your rector, Luis Leon, how glad I am that you have the wisdom to call such gifted clergy to serve alongside him, such as Sarah and Andy, and also to be privileged to work with the many of the leaders that come from this community and serve not only the wider church, but the wider community in so many ways. So thank you. And um, it's really fun to be able to mark the beginning of your 200th anniversary as a congregation. And on a more somber note, I, I want you to know that like you, I am keeping a part of my heart always in vigil for our beloved Ben. He is a man of um, immeasurable love and uh, service to so many. And I pray as you do that, that the arms of Jesus are just waiting for him with um, every warm embrace to carry him over to the other side. I'd like to speak to you today about decisive moments. Moments whether in our individual lives or our families, a faith community, or even an entire nation, that in retrospect, we clearly recognize as a turning point or a change of course, a stepping up and claiming of our identity or and a conscious embracing and acceptance of a circumstance that has been thrust upon us. But unlike other moments whose significance we see only in retrospect, decisive moments impress their importance upon us as we experience them. For we know that we are choosing now a specific path of potential consequence. No matter how we got there, in a decisive moment, we no longer see ourselves solely as being acted upon by the slings and arrows of fate, but now also with agency ourselves. We're not drifting, we're not half engaged, we're fully awake, we're all in, shapers of our destiny and co-creators with God. For as the word itself suggests, in a decisive moment, we make a decision. A friend of mine is a very gifted teacher, and she's, she's not only a good teacher of students, she's a good teacher of teachers. She inspires other teachers to do good work, both in and outside the classroom. And she has a, a good job in a small private school that she loves, and a pretty robust consulting gig that takes her around the country. And in the last few years, she's been feeling restless and doing some soul searching about her future. And she knows that there is a particular opportunity she could pursue 
that would put her in a position of positive influence nationwide. But in order to pursue it, she would have to put herself out there in a way she's never done before. And talking about this with me, she said, you know, all of my life, I've never had to work at finding the next step. All the big moments in her life, she said, just came to me, presented themselves to her. And I said, well, maybe this one will happen that way too. And she said, in response, very bravely, I think, no, I don't, I don't think so with this one. This time, I'm going to have to choose it to risk failing at what I would really love. And to be honest, I don't know if I have that in me. A kind of big gulp you feel when you step out in a way that's vulnerable and brave. And as she said that, um, the image that came to my mind, I, I didn't tell her this, but the image that was that of the rich young ruler in the Gospels, you know, that man, young man who approached Jesus in all earnestness to ask him how he might gain eternal life. And Jesus says, well, obey the commandments of God, and you're in. And he said, pushing Jesus some, no, I've done all of that. What else do I lack? And Jesus stops and looks at him and, and the scripture says in that moment loves him and he says those words go, sell what you have give to the poor and then come and follow me. And the young man turns away sorrowful because of his possessions, his many possessions. They to borrow from today's text, they were perhaps his stumbling block. The part he couldn't let go, the things he couldn't get past in order to claim a future of adventure and changing the world with Jesus. Now, I, I think of that young man a lot. I recognize myself in him. And so I like to think that at some point he got back to Jesus and joined the movement. And just as I pray, if it's God's desire for her, that my friend will, will embrace that decisive opportunity that could put her in a place of such service and potential. <clears throat> By far, for me, the most interesting stories in the Bible are of people in moments like that, those decisive moments People like you and me who make a choice in response to a challenging circumstance, stepping up to do something brave. You know, think of Mary visited by the angel Gabriel. Be it unto me according to your word. She could have said no. Or the little boy with the fish, remember, and the two loaves of bread who, everything in that story says, hang on to what you have. Everybody around you is hungry. And what does he do? He offers them to Jesus. Or Jesus himself with his ministry around the shores of Lake Galilee, who then decides to set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing full well what that implied. 
One of the best decisive moment stories of scripture is one we heard a portion of just now from the, um, this, the book of Esther. And if you don't know the story of Queen Esther, it's worth just going home and reading it. Take you about 15 minutes. Um, I'll just run it through quickly. She was this gorgeous young Jewish girl living in um, exile in the land of Persia during the time of the Jewish exile. And because of her extraordinary beauty, at a time when the king got mad at his wife, um, the king was calling for women to be brought into his harem. And Esther was chosen because of her beauty. And then she was chosen among the women of the harem to be the top wife, to be the queen. Now, I grant you, the sexism in this story is a little hard to swallow. <laughs> but she rises above it. So as this is happening to her, and she's now Queen Esther, there's this wicked man in the king's court named Haman, or Haman. And he has it out for one Jew in particular, Mordecai, who happens to be Esther's uncle, and because of Mordecai, for all Jews in the land. And he manipulates the king to issue an edict to have them all destroyed, one day certain in the future, and their property plundered. And Mordecai gets word to Esther in the court, telling her she has to intercede on behalf of her people. And her first response is one of complete self-preservation. I can't do that. Anyone who dares enter the king's presence without being summoned is put to death. I cannot do what you ask. And Uncle Mordecai chastises her and then says, who knows, Esther, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for a time such as this. Maybe right now, it's up to you. What an amazing concept that she was there and that you and I, one day, might be in a place, not of our own choosing, but because we are where we are and because we are who we are, we are given an opportunity to do something brave if we decide. Hearing her uncle's words, Esther makes the decision to act, and then it's like three chapters of brilliant, cunning, plotting, collaborating to get to just the right moment, which you heard read today when she could ask the king for the freedom of her people. And as you heard, she was successful, and every year, our Jewish brothers and sisters read her story on the Feast of Purim and celebrate to remember how their people were once saved by the courage of a young girl. Who knows? You might be right where you are for a time such as this. Communities of faith have decisive moments too. In preparing for today, I've been reading up a bit on St. John's history and spent some time talking to Luis and others about, um, about your story, your collective 200-year story, all the while listening for decisive moments. And there are many 
Um, I hope that part of this year's celebration, you will acquaint yourselves with some of the great moments in your past. I'm going to give you just a few. Uh, there was, for starters, the decision to build the church on this very inauspicious corner at the time. Equally decisive 100 years later was the decision to stay when there was movement of churches outside of this part of Washington into other parts, or even as far away as the hinterlands of Bethesda, which I understand is one of the possible places you might have landed. But St. John's leadership at the time discerned, no, God's call is to be here and to occupy this space of this city with dignity and grace and in witness to the gospel. And while it's certain that slave labor helped to build this original building pre-Civil War, St. John's during the war was a union church and all that that implied. And after the war, St. John's helped the first African-American Episcopal congregation to have its own community. Now there were mixed reasons for that, as we know in the history of our people, but the gratitude and the pride and the sense of dignity that the original members of St. Mary's Foggy Bottom carry with them to this day is palpable. And the beauty of their church is something they hold with great pride, and your forebears were a part of that. In more recent history, decisive moments included the decision of one of your previous rectors to call an openly gay partnered assistant priest in the early 1980s, when most gay priests were closeted and few congregations were open to their leadership. And that decision created space for authentic relationship and for gay and lesbians across the city to know that there were worshiping communities that welcomed their presence and their gifts and their whole selves. And an opportunity for, for straight Christians to have relationships, authentic relationships with other Christians who happened to be gay. And those foundations, now nearly 30, 40 years ago, lay, lay the possibilities for what we have witnessed in the last few years, not only in our church, but in the country as well. And you, you played a part in that. The decision to welcome Mission San Juan to St. John's, to give a wandering community of Episcopalians, Spanish-speaking, a home here. Also decisive was the decision to welcome and integrate, not Mission San Juan, but Iglesia San Juan, part of St. John's Church, with full privilege and responsibility. And as your bishop, I can tell you that the ministry of Latinos in this diocese was so precarious then that I'm not sure we would have the strength of congregations we have now were it not for that courage. Thank you. At the same time, St. John's made a concerted effort to engage with young adults, utilizing creative energies and resources to engage the one segment of the demographic almost every other Episcopal church chose to ignore one of the first churches in the diocese to commit itself to authentic spiritual conversation with people when we're at the most open in our adult life. 
I could go on and on. I'd like to just have you take a look at this beautiful building and the decision that many of you made in 2008 to renovate it to this glorious condition, but also making it comfortable and a place of hospitality for worship so that this could be a church committed to its tradition and yet alive as a congregation of faith. So, decisive moments in a personal life, decisive moments in a community's life. I just want to, to close now with a few thoughts on the off chance that some of you might be on the verge of a decisive moment in your life now. Or as a community, you might be thinking as you celebrate the past 200 years, what seeds of possibility God is planting in your hearts now for a next decisive moment. Because that's the first thing to remember about them. They don't just happen. They're the culmination of a long process that God has with us, mostly in the beginning without our awareness, and then surfacing in all kinds of interesting ways until we are ready and clear and able to act. And so right now, there may be things that you should be thinking about and paying attention to as bringing you to, both personally and collectively, to such a time as this. The other thing to remember is that, for the most part, those decisive moments don't ask us to be something other than who we are. That it's our life, it's our church, in this place, in this moment that God works with. And so you don't have to pretend, any of us, we don't have to pretend or try to be something we're not, but to listen to how God is working through the imperfection, through the, through the mess, through the glory, through the conflict, through the joy, everything that is your life, it's there that a decisive moment will emerge. But the other piece is also true, and you know this, that the stumbling blocks are right there too. The things that would keep us from acting in a brave way. And, and Jesus, you know, he's just exaggerating to make his point. He doesn't want us walking around blind and without our hand and without our foot. What he's saying is that sometimes when you're being asked to do something big and brave, I think what he's saying is that other things that you love need to be placed in a different priority. That there actually may be things that are good, that you love, that you'll have to let go of for the sake of this great thing. But what I know for myself is that if I focus on what I have to give up, I can't move. If I focus on where I'm being called, then what I'm asked to let go of is less painful. Um, a friend who, who was just diagnosed with a really, you know, just one of those diagnoses that basically said to him, okay, everything you love to eat, you can't eat anymore. And everything that you love to do, you're going to have to step up 100% because you need to lose 50 pounds and exercise and just change everything about your life. And you should have started six months ago, maybe six years ago. And he said to me, when I were talking about this, he said, you know, at first I was really mad. And, and then I thought, I want to dance at my daughter's wedding. And my doctor told me, if I don't 
change? That may not happen. And then I thought, no, I want to dance at my granddaughter's wedding. And then the stumbling block just fell into perspective. When we have something that's so meaningful to us, we can let go of other loves. And then finally, perhaps most important, there are things happening around us that we don't even understand or or know that God is doing. If you just get a sense of the impact that Pope Francis had in our midst, you know what I mean. There's just bigger things at play that our individual lives and this collective life may be called to be a part of. And I just ask you to hold that. Because who knows? It may be that you're where you are and I'm where I am. And St. John's is where St. John's is. For a time such as this. Amen.